What's up, everyone? It's me, AJ. And his guest that never left, Sarah. And you're listening to Broadway with AJ. And Sarah. <laughs> okay, um, we're back, everyone. So we're joined with um, Janie Scott, whom is very recognized in this community, I will say. <laughs> okay. All good things. All, all good, good things. things. Oh. <laughs> Okay. I feel like you should have started with that. It yeah. should have started with that, you know. Um, so thank you for coming on today, Jane. No, we I'm really glad to you. be here. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really, I mean, because AJ and I are kind of like trying to re get into the Bay Area the- theater scene, but we s- saw Falsettos, and that's where we met you and first that's like right. stalked you and asked yes. you to be part of the podcast so yeah. yes I remember it well and um, I've used stalking myself multiple times for casting shows so I have no problem with it oh yeah it's something everybody does in life in general but nobody really admits to yeah. or maybe they just use another word <laughs> well, well we probably. were there we were there on preview night Research. and she was she was taking notes and so we were like oh that must be the director yeah um <laughs> And, um, and so I was like, we should go up and say hi. And so, yeah, that yeah, was how that started. No, I'm very glad you did. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you. You have quite the resume. Well, I've been on earth a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so I'm I... around. If you're not just, you know, sitting on a, a porch in a rocking chair, then uh, you're probably doing something maybe. And you're doing mm-hmm. a lot of directing nowadays. I'm That's doing... your, or I saw directing and choreography too. Yes. Ever since I moved back to the area, it's been primarily directing and choreographing. I've done a little performing, but I, I really don't talk about that very much. It's kind of for my own thing. Why but don't you talk rare. about it? Um, because it's for me, and I don't care if anybody comes to see it. Yeah. Um, and That is uh, lovely and liberating about being an adult, huh? And the first time I, you know, jumped back on a stage had been 15 years since I'd been on stage. So I honestly had no idea what that was going to look like at all, yeah. you know. So for those that don't know, you were in the national tour of Peter Pan. The f- I, no. I you were in the Broadway, in, right? Yeah, I was in the Broadway. So I did the national tour of Chorus Line. Chorus Line. Then I moved into, a little bit later, the international tour of a Chorus Line, because I did two different roles with them. And who were you with them? Uh, for the national tour, I actually started out as an understudy, a swing. They mm-hmm. called it a swing, even though they're all principal roles. Um, and I did five roles. Oh my goodness. Wow. I got hired for that. And to be honest, because that was a big jump for me, I came to musical theater very late. I came to dancing super late. I came to singing even later. I came to all of it. It was not on my radar. It wasn't something that I had, had dreamed about per se. And then a chorus line opened on Broadway. And a chorus line opening on Broadway is akin to Hamilton opening. Okay. Right. That's what it was like. It was a really big show when it first it premiered. It was different. All there were the triple threat was really not something that was what we knew or what dancers. Most of them didn't train. They trained as dancers because they were still doing Oklahoma, a cadre of dancers, a cadre of singers. They didn't cross over for the chorus. That's why you had a cast of fifty doing Oklahoma. That's what they were used to. Well, a chorus line wasn't that, right? It was everybody had to do sing, dance, and act. Very unique. It also showcased, for me, when I saw it, male dancers, like that opening number at that point in time was like, oh my God, what are these guys doing? And this is 1975, almost 76, let's say. 
And I went and saw the show when it first came, and it was all over, you know, in front of newspapers, on the cover of Newsweek, Donna McKechnie, you know, all of this stuff. The biggest thing ever, Michael Bennett is theater god. And so I'm sitting up in the rafters at, I don't know, Kern or wherever it was, watching this with my mouth open the whole time. And by the time they hit that finale thing back then, and, you know, certainly we have surpassed elements of this, but I just kept shaking my head going, I'll never be good enough to do that. I'll never be good enough to do that. They put out that they're having equity, which I was not yet. All the work I'd done was non-equity, and open call in San Francisco. And I thought, well, I have to go. I mean, I have to go because... What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? There (laughs) was that. Plus, at age 24, to me, if you were 40, you were old, right? So I kept saying... So I hear. From AJ. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, we won't talk about that. Anyway, um, (laughs) I thought, one day, I want to be able to say to to my granddaughter... I didn't even have children yet, of course, because all of that. Anyway, I want to say to my granddaughter, you know, your grandma went and auditioned for... A course line. She was there, you know, and I didn't want to be 40 not having done that. Well, I was only 24, 25, 24. I went up. I had no idea. I'd never been to an open call. I'd never been to anything like it. Um, I had my dance bag, but, you know, the album was out. I could sing the entire show cold. Everybody's role. Didn't matter what it was. I could do things with my voice, belt, head voice. I didn't know what to call them exactly at that point in time. Um, I wasn't that well trained, but I could do a lot of stuff. My training came after. Um, <laughs> I did it all backwards. And uh, I showed up and they put numbers on us and we're in our dance clothes with our dance bags and it's just like the show. It was a media circus. There was every newspaper, film, they were all out in the house with Michael Bennett. Uh, one of Michael Bennett's assistants was teaching us when we got going but they lined us up 10 at a time and they said stand on line step forward say your name your age where you're from do a double classical pirouette either side and a time step of any kind and I thought well, I can do that but I'm, ner- I'm nervous am I gonna fall out of my pirouette what am I gonna do Ugh. okay <laughs> so you know I'm looking around and I'm five feet tall and I probably weighed a hundred pounds. I was a skin, you know, I was just a little twig. And I'm looking at these girls who have legs that are five feet tall, five feet long legs, plus then the rest of their body going, oh dear God, <laughs> am I in the right place? And I get out there and I think, I do remember going, okay, be loud. That's what they're listening for. They want to hear if you can project because they're not going to ask you anything else. So I get out and I say my name and I'm from San Mateo and this and that. And I do my double classical pirouette and I land it and then I do a double time step or whatever it was. And they go, okay, great, thanks. And I step back in line. We didn't know what typing was, okay? This is the first time it ever really been happening. And they go, okay, number two and number eight stay. The rest of you, thank you very much. And I thought, well, that was one of my numbers. And I thought, where are the other people going? Are they done? They were done. They left, and they said, those were keeping, go off there. They went through, this was a non-equity call. 500 women non-equity. They'd already seen the previous day. I think it was 300 equity here. And later on, I come to find, they auditioned in 
Dallas, Texas, they already auditioned in New York. They auditioned in LA, San Francisco, Chicago. All of them had the same turnouts. It was like, okay. And I'm glad I didn't know all that, you know, until a little bit later. And so they whittled it down from 500 to about 200, right off the bat by typing, whatever it was they were looking for. And I couldn't tell, and I wasn't busy thinking that. I was just busy going, okay, pay attention. You gotta learn this, you gotta learn it. I was not one of those dancers. You know, I have worked and taught or choreographed or directed dancers and actors even with eidetic memories. They can see it once and then do it. I had to work for everything. I was not one of those gifted like that. And so, you know, there I was in front, learning it and doing it. And that choreography was challenging Michael Bennett was a short, compact, athletic guy, which was to my advantage, as opposed to the girls who were 5'10 and 5'11 with longer limbs, it's harder to move as fast as he did Mm -hmm. and low to the ground, but it felt very comfortable, but I was still going, working super, super hard. We did it, we did it in groups of four, I don't know, once or twice, and then they get done, they call you in front and they say, the following numbers, please stay. The rest of you, thank you very much. They start calling. I'm called, my number's called, and I'm in shock. Because I'm not looking at everybody else. I'm just me. Do what you need to do, watch everyone, get the notes. To I go off to the side, great. Now we're down to, oh, that went down to 50. Right, okay. right there. That was a big cut. A huge cut. And then they go, okay, we're gonna do ballet. And I went. Oh God, were you triggered? From no, your because, class. no, because I had studied and trained ballet. Believe me, it's a foundation for every dancer. No, it is. The technique there will carry you through. So I'd even done a little bit of point work. I mean, I had done the okay. serious stuff. So I went, okay. And I vaguely remembered, oh, yeah, there was a ballet combination in the opening. I can vaguely remember it. So they teach it to us, and it's not hard. It's like what I would call um, musical theater ballet. It was not really hard, hard classical stuff, but it was built on that look and steps and whatever. And I had learned because I was littler in dance classes to move so I could keep up with the bigger people, which was great because I was in a group with bigger people and they want to see you hold your formations. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing that. I get done with that. And I think, I think I've done it. I mean, I'm about to bust a you know, a a vein in my neck working so hard (laughs) and get done. They call all of us forward. Will the following people stay? And they called my number and they got us down to, uh, what was it? 25. And it was at that point that I went from, I want to be able to tell my grandchildren that I auditioned and blah, 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 blah to now you wanted it. Now I wanted it. Yeah. I could do this. It was within reach. I, I could probably actually do this. I'm in shock. So his other assistant, Bob Avian, who was wonderful, came up. He was the opposite of Michael Bennett, who was crazy. He yelled and screamed. Um, He had a few things going on. Let's just say that. And Bob Avian was the opposite. Kind, quiet, gave you, you know, you felt like he was on your side. And they said, okay, we're going to finish the opening combination, which got to these weird steps that we'd never seen, triple pirouettes with an arabesque in the middle, blah, blah, blah. It was like, what is that? I can't even tell. What are you doing? And so we're all learning it. There's only 25 of us on the stage, and I remember working so hard on this one, you know, double pirouette to a thing and a 
thing a thing out of it. And I was trying so hard. And Bobby then came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, hey, 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 relax, you got this. You got it, you're fine. And I went, okay, okay. Kind of backed up, because I was like, <laughs> you know, working like this. We do it, they keep 10 of us, the rest are gone. We've been dancing for five hours. So there were no, in this whole reduction of people, you still haven't sung or done any like sides or anything Nothing. like that. Okay. Now we're going to sing. Okay, so now it's the time. Ten of us. Down to ten. They're going to sing ten of us. Wow. And I was at a place where I had realized that dancers, generally speaking, of that caliber who could make it that far, probably were not the best singers. They hadn't trained that way, but I was working on it. And I figured, oh, I'll probably fall in the middle. That's pretty good. And I had a song on a clear day, which is from the musical on a clear day, um, that I really, really liked. And, uh, you know, they called me out and I stood there and I sang it out to fill up the whole theater as best as I could. And I thought, I did the best that I could. That sounded pretty good to me. I mean, I don't think I've ever sung it better. So, you know, you're not getting blood from a turnip here. This is it. That's, you know what, that's a good feeling. If that's how you feel after your audition song, then yep. that's about as good as you're going to get. And as I'm listening to the rest, I'm pretty right. There's only a couple who can actually really sing. A batch of them, not much at all. They kept three of us. And as I look around, the three of us, they go, okay, could you go over to the piano? And I look around, and we're all like five, three and under, the three of us. And I'm going... Oh, there's a type to this. They're looking for something. <laughs> and they say, we want you one at a time to come out center stage, and we want you to sing this one section of at the ballet, the ballet, and that big high belt note, mm -hmm. which singers, female singers didn't belt like that in 1975, not high notes like that, generally speaking. It came after, and then, of course, now <laughs> you, you, you belt everything. What, you don't can. you belt, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you mix it with something. And... Um, we're all around the piano learning it, going, okay, well, how many times have I done that in my living room? A lot. And we each went out, and I went out, and I did it, and they go, can you do that again, please? And I go, mm-hmm. And they made me do it at least three times, and each time was pretty much the same. I think they're trying to find out if it was a, f a fluke or a freak yeah. of nature or something. And then each girl got up and did it, and they could all do it. The three of us could all do it. And then the stage manager comes up on stage with us and he circles us up and he says, you know, I'm, I'm Martin and I'm the stage manager for this tour. And he said, um, he went around and he asked each one of us how old we were. I didn't understand that at the time. Uh, one was 19, one was 20, and I was 24, almost 25. But I did look like 16. I looked 16 for years. And... He just went, okay. And he said, well, you know, this is for the tour. You know, so we're on the road. We're going. Are you all open for a tour? And went, mm-hmm. And then he said, and it's also um, to swing. And I didn't know what that meant. And he said, yeah. And I went, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I was going to figure out how to do it. Or what's the worst thing that could happen to me exactly. when I find out I couldn't do whatever the hell that was? Um, I'd be, you know, on a bus back to wherever. He said, um, okay, well, we're leaving here. 
we're going to Philadelphia. We're going to be playing at the Forest Theater, and we're going to be there these dates. And um, we're going to know, um, you know, probably in the next three weeks or so. So they had another week playing there. So I calculate all this. One week there, they get there, two weeks there. So me not knowing how that professional world worked, that level, I thought that meant, well, with just three of us, they would at least call us or let us know. No computers, no, no smartphones. This is before all of this. They'd at least call or write you to say, thank you so much for auditioning, but we're not going to be using you. That they do that. Well, of course they don't do that. Not like that. <laughs> and I never heard anything. And after three weeks, I'm like, why haven't they at least told me one thing or another? Why haven't they? So I wrote a note, because I remembered everything where they were. And I wrote to Martin and I said, hey, remember me? I'm Janie from San Mateo. I auditioned for you in San Francisco. You kept me with these other girls, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I just wanted to let you know that I'm so ready to tour, you know, and please let me know if there's anything else I can do for you. Thanks. Sign it. Send it off. I get a phone call. I don't know however many days it was later. And it goes like, so Janie, this is Martin. And I go, hi, because I don't know what it's about. And he said, so I got your note today. And I went, oh, good says you're still ready to tour and I went oh yeah and he goes well that's good because there's a ticket at the San Francisco airport for you to leave town in two weeks you're flying to Philadelphia you'll be doing this and this and this and this and this and then he talks money which because I you know I was non-equity I hadn't been to New York yet I didn't have an agent but I gotta tell you I didn't know what people made and I thought what he was quoting me was for the month it was weekly. And I went, good. Two weeks later, I leave, I fly off. They took th three of us from different auditions. There was another girl and another guy. Wait, Not so do, in you my think, call. do you think you would have gotten it if you hadn't written the letter? I asked them afterward when I got to know them. And I was going to say, everybody's wondering this, right? No, and yeah. I, I was never going to be satisfied. And I said, so... Uh, why me? I said, I saw the other two girls. We could all sing it. So yesterday, yesterday, if it we're sounds, transparency. Yes, if, if it sounds like we're somewhere else, we are, we are definitely somewhere else because, uh, this woman like burst into the, my back was to the windows. So I didn't see her. I didn't know she was about to Accurate. make an appearance, but she burst in and she was like, your time is done. Basically. <laughs> I mean, Okay, maybe it wasn't quite so ominous, but it was. Yeah. She was very aggressive. She was serious about her library room time. So we got yeah. booted out, and we were at a point, Janie, where you had um, you just gotten on the, and we've learned all about Janie's life from age seventeen to twenty-five. I think is now where we're at. Uh, we're gonna have to fast. We're gonna have to fast forward through a couple of years here. I I, I think you should go back, and you know, I think there's probably a place where. You asked, you know, so I don't know. I mean, get, but I was, was your, what was your interest? And then you can yeah. cut all that. I love You're it really, though. I mean, it was I'm, great. Maybe we'll have like a bonus episode where it's like, you know, okay, November you through February. But you, you had gotten onto the, um, chorus line. I just feel like we need, people need to hear the ending. Cause I thought it was a cute little ending. Uh, you had gotten onto the national tour of chorus line because you had, you'd done all these auditions and then you didn't hear back and you were like, well, thanks for leaving me in the dark. And you wrote them a letter. You got on the tour and then I asked you, and this is right before the lady so ceremoniously burst in, I asked you, so what happened? Did you get 
on the tour because of the letter or not. And you said, I had to know. So finish off that story. Okay. Okay. So after I was with the, the company long enough to kind of get to know the stage manager and people where I felt comfortable going and asking him because he was the one that conducted part of that audition. He was the one I wrote to. He was the one who called me. And I said, you know, I'm, I just want to know. I said, um, why me? And he said, because um, I said, I saw all the, the three other girls and I said, they were great. They could sing it. They could do it. We were all similar types. And I said, why me? And he said, we got your letter, your, your little note. And he said, you want it from his perspective. I wanted it more than the other ones did, which I'm not going to say is true. <laughs> I'm sure those girls would have killed people to get there. Um, but maybe for him, the fact that I wrote him was like it meant something. It, it was the extra move. It, it was the extra move that prompted him to call. What can I say? I don't know. That's I'm glad. So as, I mean, now that I, a lot of, you know, we're fast forwarding to your life in theater now, you do a lot of directing and choreography and stuff. Does that ever, that sort of situation ever happen to you now? Or like, you know, where people are, because I, I mean, I feel as though it's kind of this thing where I've been told like, you know, leave people alone. Like don't, I mean, I would never ask somebody why I didn't get cast because it's, you know, I didn't get cast, but like, I feel like kind of I've been told, like, you know, leave directors alone if they're still thinking you about know things. What? Every director is different. Um, I think my response to that is greatly influenced by the fact that I was a professor for years. So teaching and I was constantly prepping students for auditions while I was directing and doing other shows. And the deal that I made with those kids that were in my company, if they wanted to audition out at Cabrillo, was... You know, I'll prep you just like I'm prepping anybody else. But the minute you're out there, I'm in business mode and you don't have any more of a step up than anybody else coming in. Here's the difference. If you want feedback, and I mean honest, objective feedback, purely from my perspective, I will give it to you. You have to come ask me. And that's after, you know, that's after the show is cast. You can come ask me, what do you think of my audition? And I would gladly tell them because I think that that's how you know certainly I was dealing with people who were you know most of them were 24 and under who were learning and you know climbing up the ladder yeah but you know what there's still a lot of people out here that can benefit because oftentimes as performers we're not exactly sure how we come across unless somebody gives us feedback that's not everybody some people are quite quite well aware self-aware um, and other people, not so much. And I know people get nervous at auditions, completely normal. There are those who are at a place in their, in, in their work where they look at auditions, it's an opportunity to perform, which is great. That's the mindset you hope to get to. Here's my chance to perform. It may only be a minute before they cut me off, or I may sing my whole song and they ask for something else, or I get called back and I get to read or I dance or whatever. And thinking about that as a performance for you, an opportunity takes a lot of that stuff away, you know, some of it for some people. A lot of people, though, never get to that place. And a lot of people, especially if they're, you know, in the early years of doing it, um, don't get there either. So I have always been someone who's been av available. I will give feedback to anyone. They should wait till the show is cast. 
before they ask for feedback. So they could, you know, email me or, you know, if they saw me at a party or something and I, they'd say, I'd love to get some feedback. If it was convenient for me at that time to give it, give them some. And if I could remember without my notes in front of me um, at Cabrillo, there were times where I had 200 people auditioning and without my notes, I wouldn't know. But if it was somebody that I knew really well who came out, I would probably remember, you know, what I wrote that reached out to you at all with like a note saying, Hey, I just wanted to know any updates on casting. And did it take you back to that time when you were Um, auditioning for Nobody writes to me for casting because they really shouldn't. They should, if they're going to write to someone, it's the stage manager. But remember, Mm -hmm. that's who I reached out to and wrote to as a stage manager. That's true. I didn't write to Michael Bennett, you know, um, I probably was. (laughs) <laughs> very very wise on my part um i got yeah and so that would be to a stage manager to say okay. if you have questions about you know when's casting gonna happen or have they you know have they done it or whatever hopefully most places are quick about as soon as they cast letting people know yeah. that they are not in the show so people can move on all right Nice. You know, and you are directing a show right now. And we're so yes, excited because we are going to be coming to see it. And yes. uh, yesterday after we got booted out of the room, you were just talking <laughs> about how fantastic the cast is and that you have like so many genuinely talented adults and children. Um, it's not a it's not a kid's show, but that you no, have a lot not. of a lot of talent there. So tell us tell us about your current project. I do. Um, this current project was actually slated to go a little over three years ago. And we were in rehearsal and we were in rehearsal uh, approximately two and a half, almost three weeks. And that's when the shutdown from COVID happened. And that was the end of Matilda. And we'd learned songs. I was staging things. I mean, we were in the trenches. And then um, that was the end of that. Not knowing exactly if and or when it was going to come back at Palo Alto Players. And so it's back. And so, so am I. Well, because um, kids grow. <laughs> yeah. Three years is a lot for a kid who is, let's say, 10. And yeah, no, it is. When they're, they're, they're no longer the little children three years later. And kids sprout at different ages. And for the boys, there is, as they get older, their voices change. Um, the show is written for unchanged boys' voices. So the kids were kind of out of the running. I did, I do have my main two leads that I had from before, which I was thrilled. I had never worked with either one of them. Um, I I knew Bridget Losey. I'd seen her in things and I knew her and met her, but I'd never had an opportunity to work with her. And Randy Lee, who plays opposite her, who plays the father, is somebody I'd never met. And it was he had an interesting audition in that I had his resume in front of me and his resume is all opera. Hundred percent opera performance. I'm looking at this going For Mr. Wormwood. Uh-huh. And I'm looking oh, at wow. it thinking, does he know what, what he's auditioning for here? Yeah. And he gets up there and he knocks it out of the park. I don't even remember what he's saying, but he's got all of the styles under his command. And he whipped out a character piece of some kind that was perfect. And I remember yeah, talking to him again, and I said, uh, "Why, 
I said, you don't have any of this other stuff. I said, you kind of threw me because you had all this opera stuff and I was prepared to hear, you know, like an operatic version of, I don't know what, some musical theater song, which probably would not have been that great. I would have asked for something else. And yet you, you have a style. You can sing pop. You can sing character. You can sing musical theater, 100%. And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, first of all, more power to you because it, it can show people who work in classical venues that you can do both and you can do both very well. They're working with the same vocal instrument. It's how you train it and what you do with it. And it can be done. I know a number of, a number of people who can do that. And that's wonderful. So they came back. I didn't get to, you know, really didn't get chances to work with him last time, but I got him back. So I'm thrilled. They're both incredible, wonderful characters. And then pretty much the rest of the cast is new. So all my kids are new because I had to go back and start getting smaller, younger ones. And um, I think you have Doug Santana as well, right? And he's he's done a lot of stuff at MIDI, right? Yeah. Well, he's done a lot of stuff before MIDI, by the way. Um, And... I was just sort of reminiscing with Doug last night that I knew Doug when I directed, he was in a production I directed of Oliver and he was 13 at the time when he did Oliver for me, 13 years old. I've known him a while for a range of things, but he did go off and do some professional work for a while before he was at MIDI. So, and he's just, I've done one show with him. He did the first show I did at Palo Alto. He played Gomez in um, Adam's Family. And, you know, he's wonderful. He's got comic timing just built into his cells. And um, so for Trunchbull, you know, he came in and he was great. I had several in and, and he was just the perfect choice. He's so good at character parts. He's funny. He's willing to try anything. And... What's interesting is he's doing some scene where he's playing, you know, horrible, horrible trunch bowl, and all the kids are around watching. And when he gets done, I turn and look at all the kids, and the kids are just smiling and beaming because they like Doug. And I turn to them all <laughs> and I said, Guys, that's not Doug. That's trunch bowl. You cannot be, you know, happy to see him. You cannot be entertained by him because they all really, really like him. Which is, which is great for rehearsals and, and, and all of that. But it's like, every once in a while I'm reminding them, you know, this is somebody you're not supposed to like, okay? we got to work on that a little bit. And I have, um, God, my, my kids run from age 8 to 16. Um, my 8-year-old is an amazing little dancer. Uh, uh, it's, it's amazing. And she's just tiny like a little twig. Um, and then up to 16-year-old who is, um, he, he's, not got, he's quite a street dancer. He's got hip-hop and all that stuff in him as well. And he's just the nicest guy um, and has been helping with the kids. And, you know, they're just a great, the kids have all really sort of connected with each other a lot. So when they're all, you know, sitting and waiting to get on and do something or they're outside the building out waiting in the, sort of the walkway that we have, they all play together. They don't separate into little groups. I mean, it's, it's amazing. They are all having the best time ever. And they're working very hard. And they work some later hours. And they work three hours at a clip. 
And, you know, it's kind of the things I had mentioned to them and their parents. I said, you know, PAP is not a children's theater company, and this is an adult production of PAP with kids in it. So your kids will be, you know, treated the same way as the adults. And, you know, we'll talk about the expectations. They're going to get all the help they need, you know, to do all of this. But um, they're going to work. But they're going to have the best time ever. And that's what every parent is is telling me, you know, when they come up to me and they drop off their kid or whatever, and they just come up and say, you know, so-and-so is just having the best time. He loves everything. He loves, you know, I'm just like, great. That's what That's we good. need. And the adults are having, the, the, the adults are having just as much fun because what the adults do, it's all quirky and weird and different. And I think that's the appeal of, of the show for adults is it's, you know, it's not your normal everyday kind of adults in a musical thing they're all characters all of them yeah so, and i think so the musical's great because it's it's good for adults and children in the audience like it's not oh, uh, it, it's not geared towards one or the other it's kind of like you know disney films at different ages you're like oh that's funny there and uh this is one of those shows that's really going to be enjoyable like for an adult so don't think you're just like they're dragging your kid along like you're gonna enjoy the show right there's there's adult humor in here and i don't mean adult like we have to rate it pg-13 i'm saying we have elements of it that you know uh, probably would not have an eight-year-old react to it but would definitely have a parent react to it and then we've got other things so it's sort of like and a lot of disney films also do this where it's on two levels and it plays across the board and this is exactly exactly like that and the music is so fun i mean you will be singing some of this when you walk out if you don't already know it walking in um it's it's wonderful wonderful music and the vocal directors have done an incredible job the kids the kids sound wonderful. The, the adults sound wonderful. The choreography is is really incredible. And it's very, and that's Whitney, um, Whitney Jansen doing that. And she's, oh, I um, love Whitney. yeah, she's doing I've a great with job before. with it. Where did you do with Whitney? Uh, she was the first show I did at CMT. Oh, my God. Okay. Years yeah. ago. <laughs> Music band. I bet she, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, she she pretty much got all her stuff out in the first three weeks. And it's been challenging for the kids, um, which I love, because it gives us more things to work on and to help them gain more skills and more craft for what they're doing. And so many of them are doing things they never thought they could do, which is great. Kids so, yeah. rise to the occasion. So it's great that you guys 100%. are giving them that opportunity. Nice. Oh, a hundred they do, a hundred percent. And they want to. They yeah. so want to. And they've got wonderful things modeled by all the adults of, you know, ooh, the adults are off book. Ooh, the adults know their songs. You know, oh, when they get up there, they really like do it like a show, even though it's a rehearsal. You know, they're and how good the adults are. And I think that that's wonderful for the kids to see is, you know, something that they can kind of model and look at and go, okay, that's what I should be doing. I can do that. And they can. They totally can. No, it's a great education. 
So I don't, I don't know what you have coming up after Matilda, but just out of curiosity, I know, I mean, it just sounds like you've directed and choreographed and worked on so many different shows. Is there a show that you have not directed or choreographed, um, you know, that you, what would kind of be your dream show? What would you love, yes. love to do? No question on it. Um, I want to do a Sweeney Todd and it just has to be at the right theater to, to make it work and to do it. Um, it isn't just shows that attract me. Sometimes it's the theater itself. Um, you know, I, I, I just finished falsettos at the Pear Theater. And a mm -hmm. lot of people don't know the Pear Theater, which is in Mountain View. We didn't. The Pear, yeah. Well, the Pear Theater does mostly plays. But... Many years ago, they did one tiny little review that was really very nice, and I went and saw it, and I knew the artistic director, and she said, well, when do we get you here? I loved the space. It's a small, intimate space that can be set up all different ways, and I just thought that was really very, very cool, and I said, yeah, let's let's work on something. Um, in the interim years, she ended up leaving and going to another theater in Tucson so a new artistic director came on and that was right at the outbreak of of COVID so that got set back but we got it on a calendar and it got set back again so it took three years to get three years to get falsettos up um and it, I went there because of the theater space and I wanted to do something there. And then in talking to the artistic director who was new, I was just meeting him, um, talking about the potential of shows and what he was interested in as well. And falsettos came up. So it was the perfect match in something like that. I also worked at Los Altos, which has a really unique, unique theater space. Um, I went there, you know, I wanted to do the show and the space. And then um, I was pre-COVID set to do something at the Tabard, which again was a really challenging, challenging space. I loved it. Um, that show got canceled at least twice. And then at the very end was when they started changing what the Tabard was going to do. So they weren't doing musicals anymore. So that was gone. Yeah. Um, so I never did anything there. So tell um, us, so what what is your Sweeney Todd theater, like your dream space for this like not maybe you don't have an actual theater in mind but what type of space would you like to see that show done in um intimate I stage really, or large stage well i could do it in a large stage absolutely which would then prompt me to go full big cast <laughs> for the luscious sound and you really want that orchestra for that i'm sorry but you do that's no the tracks. music of yeah, that's the music and not a cut down orchestra. That makes it hard for people to do or for theaters to do it budget wise and have all of that. Um, but I also, I saw in New York, I can't remember, five years ago, maybe, they did an immersive production of Sweeney Todd in a small, it wasn't a theater. I walked in and what it really was, was... A caf it looked like a cafeteria, a school cafeteria. And then you walked up to the counter and then there was a whole kitchen behind it. And I mean a kitchen with sinks and a 
and a you know an oven and a, and then there was a little stairway with a door that went to I don't know what it would have been. So oh, and then they put these big long uh, like picnic tables. There were three big rows of picnic tables in the middle, and they told you you know because it was immersive. They said once the show starts, don't put your hands on the table because they were on them, and they came out in the audience and they used the space every way that they could, even as a kitchen. The cast was terrific, of course. It was in New York. It was wonderful. They had cut down that orchestra to three pieces, and it was a violin, a almost like a rinky-tink piano, not a grand piano or anything like that. And then there was um, a, a woodwind player who played oboe and uh, clarinet, I think, were the things. And I will tell you, whoever arranged that music from a full orchestration down to that was a genius. To those of us who know that score inside and out and all these sort of cue pieces of music or, you know, thematic pieces of music or a sound from a specific instrument or whatever, it was all there. It was amazing. Audience loved it. They also did a thing where if you came, if you wanted to come early, you could do the early version, which would have you at the tables, and they served you meat pies. That's super fun. It's super fun. Um, there are things I like about immersive uh, productions a lot, depending on the production. Sweeney's one of those that could go either way. I love sort of the grandness of it, which would put you in a larger space. But I also love personally to be at theater and really almost feel like I'm in it and have the people right there. And I think audiences really like that. You know, Falsettos was almost that because it was such a small theater and you're never very far away from your audience at all and there's something immediate you can feel it viscerally as an audience member for whatever an actor is doing um so yeah I, i'm open to any number of things i'm always really pretty flexible for things um so yeah that's been on my bucket list for a while and it's not one that every is appropriate for every theater every theater has its demographic you know, and they yeah. they need to, you know, their job is to be aware of what that demographic is and to make sure that they're giving their subscribers and their supporters and, uh, you know, their audiences what, what they want. Otherwise, they don't come. And now is a time where we need them to come a lot to theater. Yeah. Well, and I even did, uh, I did the Palo Alto's fall production of Beauty and the Beast. And yes. I mean... We did one of, you know, the phone drives to subscribers, just like saying thanks for subscribing and that sort of thing, which yeah. which was nice to just talk to people. But, um, you know, that was 2022. And I there were still a, yeah. a lot of people I spoke to that were subscribers that were like, oh, we are still not coming back to the theater yet. They were still yeah. supporting. But um, I, I think it is a, a thing where we need to be cognizant. And um, yep. Yeah. I'm in a grants. Yeah. And I mean, well, you know, that's basically an artistic director's job, you know, when programming yeah. a season is to know their company and to know, you know, what they can do there and, and how, 
how best, and they all have had added to their load the fact that this is sort of post-pandemic, sort of, kind of, um, yeah. you know, but there are still breakouts of yeah. another cast just had a breakout of COVID. So it's still yeah. a thing, you know, a it's thing, still something. Unfortunately. I, yeah. And it's, you know, how do you, I don't know how you get, I, I don't have those answers. I, I wish I did. How do you Nobody get people? Nobody does. How do you get people back? I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know what the statistics are for, you know, there's a few outdoor theater companies um, where sometimes people might be a little more encouraged to go outdoors if COVID is their concern because they feel maybe that's a little safer for them than inside a theater packed with people sitting right next to you close or whatever. Um, I don't know what the statistics are. are. Are they doing well because of that? Maybe they might, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So I, tell I, us quickly before we wrap up. Oh, sorry. I wasn't trying to talk over you. No, tell no, us quickly no, before we wrap up though, Matilda, when is it starting? Uh, what is, when is the run? And then we have a promo code for people. Excellent. It opens September 9th. And it runs through uh, uh, November 9th, I believe is the date. Yes, November 9th. Got to make sure I have all these dates because like, I do I do have a show right after Wait, it's it. running for two months? No, that can't be right. What did I say? October September. 9th. September to October. September 9th to October 9th-ish. You know what? I have to look Let's at whatever more. that closing okay. date is. I'm going to tell you, I'm not the best on closing dates, and here's why. My contract, technically, for most every director, is done opening night. I'm usually in rehearsal for my next show within a yeah. day or two. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so, so it opens September 9th. And yeah, no, we will add it in. And then for people that want to uh, go see it, hopefully everybody does, AJ and I will be there. I think we're going opening, right? I think it's either opening or preview one of those okay. nights. Yeah, we'll be one of the okay. two nights. Um, but if you are interested in going, use our promo code. It's MATPOD5, and it's M-A-T, like short for Matilda, P-O-D, and then the number five. Uh, and that'll get you $5 off um, tickets. So utilize that because it's going to be an amazing show. And, you know, always nice to get a couple bucks off a ticket. Definitely. Sarah and I know about that. <laughs> yep well we like seeing theater but seeing theater consistently is expensive it is oh it can be it really can be you know i i you know i don't take advantage of you know of any of the theaters that i work at and whatever and i buy tickets because i consider that my support to that theater company even Definitely. though i could probably give a call and go so can i get comps i get comps for opening but then i'm gonna come back and see it you know, or see other shows that I've worked at their theater and whatever. And I just, you know, that's my way to support these theaters, you know, along yeah. with whatever else, you know. Perfect. So, yeah, it's it's going to be you're going to be a happy camper after watching Matilda. It's going <laughs> to make your it's going to make your day. You're going to want to come out of there, <laughs> you know, singing and to adults. You're going to want to, you know, be a kid again because it makes you want to be a kid again. Um, lots of great, wonderful things and messages that come out of it. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Janie. This is Janie Scott. She's joining us today slash yesterday. 
We're living in double day. We're, we're living in forty eight hours. We're best friends with Janie now. I mean, honestly, That's, it's a th- it's yes. a three day podcast because guys, I missed the first day and they were just like waiting for me. So this has officially been our longest uh, recording time for oh a podcast. God. We oh went. We did it. Hopefully, the longest ever. So oh with that, God. AJ, any final thoughts, or should no, I just, send us out? Um, everyone just. Please utilize our code. And if you see us at the theater, say hi. We'll be the ones, you know, judging in the corner. And no, I'm just kidding. We will not be judging <laughs> in the corner. Um, and yeah, Matt Pod 5. Everyone use that code and, and come see Matilda. So yeah. Okay, Sarah, you can send us out now. All right. Bye, guys. See you, suckers. <laughs> bye, Janie. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe so you know when the new episodes arrive. As always, follow me on Instagram at Broadway with AJ for my reviews of all the shows we attend. And feel free to message us if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the podcast. Until next time, this was Broadway with AJ and Sarah. Sarah.